You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Hey, do you want to hear something absolutely bonkers? Literally always. Uh, one of my coworkers is watching Glee for the first time. <laughs> why? Why would you do that? I, uh, I don't know because <laughs> even if you missed it the first time around, you have to absorb enough like cultural commentary on it to not want to venture into those waters. It is not a thing where I'm like, oh, you know what I should rewatch today? Glee. No. And, and like I rewatch garbage all the time constantly yeah asking me about my gossip girl (laughs) rewatch but like okay and i i was one of those people who uh in high school watched glee for the plot because i was like really deeply invested in like what was gonna happen to all these people (laughs) you ask and i could not answer (laughs) i think like up until season three there was one and then after that you're like I don't know what's I think happening. I only watched to season three, and then What's-Her-Name had that baby and got an ironic Ryan Seacrest tattoo, and I was like, I think I'm done. I had uh, forgotten about the Ryan Seacrest. I don't know why that is burned into my brain. With, like, his face? Yeah. Quinn gets a tattoo of Ryan Seacrest. Oh, no. The longevity of Ryan Seacrest is a real question that I have. He might be a robot. What's his deal? Perhaps. Mm-hmm. He looks exactly the same. I think it also takes a very particular type of person to do what Ryan Seacrest does, so it's maybe hard to find a, su- a successor. There is only, there can be only one Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Wild. I <laughs> like the next <laughs> Supreme has not risen yet. <laughs> as long as there is Botox, there is Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> I am gonna be haunted by the. The idea of a Ryan Seacrest <laughs> tattoo. And you want to know the worst yeah, thing? Yeah, I really, like, that's one of the one details I remember from that show. And I think it because it was just so unsettlingly weird to me that I was like, oh, I'll remember that forever. But I bet that there are, like, at minimum five Ryan Seacrest tattoos in this world. Uh, have you ever read the Vice article of, that's, like, an interview with a man that has an executive producer, Dick Wolf, stamp, 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 tramp stamp. Wow, I couldn't get that out. It's like literally this, like this this vice this vice columnist was sitting at a pool and saw a man with a tramp stamp that said executive producer Dick Wall and like did an interview with him and the article's like so tell us about the t- the tramp stamp and he's like first of all I'm gay. <laughs> hilarious is that i have absolutely 100 percent seen a picture of that tattoo and it just never crossed my mind that it came from anywhere other than just like oh somebody taking oh, a picture yeah. of somebody yeah no it's from the article why we'll link it on twitter <laughs> link it in the show notes link it in the show notes you guys can read the interview with a man with an executive producer dick wolf incredible tram stamp is a hard word to say I'm learning. Yeah, not one that gets used much anymore. Anymore. <laughs> they, tram stamps were big when Ryan Seacrest was big. <laughs> Yet he couldn't, did Ryan Seacrest kill the tram stamp? Tune in next week. <laughs> Tune in next week for more celebrity conspiracy theories. We have many. No, it's just that one. It's just, well, Leah Michelle can't read. Leah Michelle cannot read. Yeah. Speaking of Lee. Pass it on. Pass it on. <laughs> No, everybody's seen the video. Yes, we all know. It went viral, and even if you didn't see it, you saw other people talking about it, because that's how the internet That's, works. like, one of my favorite things that pops up on Twitter every once in a while. It's just, like, a general reminder, Leah Michelle can't read. Yeah. <laughs> I 
apropos of nothing. I know. I like how people feel the need to remind us of things that went viral. Like, don't worry, I wake up every day and some different viral tweet is like, like I'm going to think about that today. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like how every viral thing gets its 15 minutes of fame. And then several months later it gets like another 30 seconds. <laughs> Real. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast where apparently we talk about fucking anything. <laughs> you know what? It's our podcast and we'll talk about yeah. anything if we want to. We do. We will. And we do. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. I feel like we haven't introduced ourselves in a while. No, but we're uh, we're happy to meet you. Here, meet you. I don't know. New people. Are you We're listening? happy to have you listen to us. Yes. I guess we could listen to you if you like want to send us a voicemail or something. <laughs> Phone into the team. <laughs> oh my God. What if we accepted live calls? Uh, I'd be really into that, except that I've gotten... So many robocalls lately, I wouldn't want. Oh, yeah. Other I'm not giving anybody my phone number. No. You can't, like, get a P.O. box for your phone, unfortunately. No. Oh, but my gosh. Wait. Funny. In Detroit, there's a building that's literally just called My American Address, and it's just for P.O. boxes for Canadians who want to order things off of American Amazon. Yes. And pick them up because it's literally easier to just drive across the border than pay the Canadian, like, Amazon prices. Yeah. One time, my family and I, we were going on a bike ride, and we didn't realize the trail was binational, so we, like, couldn't go across to the rest of the trail because we didn't have our passports. But we sat there for, like, five minutes watching people just drive over the border Walk to the post office, get back in their car, drive back across the border. Incredible. If you're a Canadian with an American P.O. box, please let us know. I have questions. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you're Canadian, can you send us some all-dressed ruffles and ketchup chips? Thank you. Ketchup chips. Actually, you can get ketchup chips in Michigan. You can, but they're not quite as good. They're not they're as like good. They're like off-brand. No, you can get the Lay's ketchup chips in Michigan. Where? In Detroit. Oh, okay. And also, Sar- and also in Poho, because it's right, right across from Sarnia. Hmm. You can get all-dressed ruffles up there, too. Mm, they're so good. Yeah, ketchup chips are the only good potato chip. All d- have you ever had all-dressed ruffles? See, here's my thing is that I don't like potato chips because they make me feel bad, like, physically. But I will uh, sacrifice my own comfort for ketchup chips. But you've never had all-dressed ruffles. Probably not. All-dressed, the premise is that it is every flavor of ruffle on sing- a singular ruffle. <laughs> no. No, it's so good. Okay. It's so good. Canadian uh, people, tell us, how do you feel about all dressed ruffles? Speaking of Canada, I miss Tim Hortons. I pass a Duncan every day on my way to work, and I'm like, that's just not what I want. I literally cannot relate to your dislike of Dunkin' Donuts because... Because um, it's just not Timmy's. We, but, like, as an East Coaster... Which you are. Which I am. I don't know. I, I live in a constant state of, like, bisection between uh, the Midwest and the East Coast. But... I love Duncan. As a sub-Canadian, so someone from Michigan, <laughs> Timmy's. Lower Canada. Lower Canada, <laughs> the great state of Michigan. Yes. I we're, we're literally just stalling because we don't want to talk about this episode. Oh my god, we totally <laughs> don't. Guys, this episode was nonsense. Um, Very bizarre. Just like tonally all over the place. Um, Kind of a repeat of Magic Bullet a little bit. It was bonkers. Um, but before we can talk about it, oh, by the way, it's called Abomination. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Season two, episode four. <laughs> yes. But before we can really talk about it, we have to do our recap. Yes. Should I tell people who directed and wrote it first? 
Do you want to? I'd like. Go ahead. So but Tim, we need to shade them. <laughs> Tim Andrew. Public call out. <laughs> uh, directed this episode. And it was written by Christian Taylor, who has also written for um, Six Feet Under, Luke Cage, and Star Wars The Clone Wars, which are all things that I've heard are good. So I'm a little confused as to what happened here. Because it Don't bad. know. Yeah. Don't know. Who's but um, it's. I think it's my turn. Ha ha. Thank God. <laughs> So I was I'm so pumped to uh, not go uh, first. Yeah. Well now I'm trying to remember where it starts. Oh. This is like a really grody intro. Nasty, yeah. Yeah. Um, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, like, are you really ready? Because I'm going to press play. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, what other possible I answer? Don't, no, you, it felt like you had more things. No, no, you no. You know what, Julia? Shh, shh. Ready? Ready? Mm-hmm. And go. Okay, so um, Allison is going to sneak out to see Scott, and then her grandfather is like, just kidding, come out and talk to me, and I'm going to yell at you, and then um, she doesn't make it in time. Uh, Styles is getting his Jeep repaired, and then um, all of a sudden on his way out from uh, the mechanic's floor, he gets paralyzed, and he falls down, and he sees the car coming down on the mechanic, and he gets crushed and dies. And then uh, they're all at school, and Styles is running back and forth between Scott and Allison because they're not supposed to be talking or seeing together, but they're looking for um, a bestiary to try and explain what this crazy creature is um and they think that it might be this little leather-bound book that gerard has so allison asks uh gerard to come to the mm, lacrosse game she gives uh styles his keys at some point in here um derek is doing werewolf training with his werewolves and that's like not going well for anybody he's really frustrated um at the game there's like some crazy person who's like putting everyone out of business on the lacrosse field and then so boyd jumps in um the bigger they are the bigger they are and (laughs) I they're in the pool. Yes, the pool scene. Derek and yep. I forgot that the bigger they are, the bigger they are happens in this, in this episode. episode. It's just like the best writing on Teen Wolf. A good coach <laughs> moment. Um, I also loved when he was testing Danny for a concussion, and he's like, "How many fingers am I holding up?" And Danny's like, four And he's like, "Say two. <laughs> two. Great. Awesome. <laughs> yes, love it. Terrifying. Now we know so much about concussions, but yeah, yeah but yeah. um. Solid Coach Finstock episode. Yes. Okay. Um, are you ready to do a recap? Yes. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So Styles is getting his Jeep fixed and the sexy mechanic gets crushed by his car because the Hanuma comes by and paralyzes them and Styles has to watch this guy die, which is like, ah! And then uh, Chris brings a body into Deaton and Deaton explains how it was killed and they're trying to figure out it was a Hanuma. And then Styles is running back and forth to try to give Allison and Scott messages and then meanwhile Derek is doing werewolf training and Erica kisses him and it's really weird. And then there's a lacrosse game and they have to try to get the bestiary from Gerard. They think it's this leather burn journal which just ends up being a cookbook. And they find that out because at the lacrosse game Gerard invites Scott for dinner and it's really weird and meanwhile while trying to get the B-Siri uh, Styles and Derek are in the pool and Derek gets caught by the can of muscle. Styles is treading water to try to save him and then um 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 uh Scott finally comes back and uh and saves them and then he gets stabbed by Gerard in the parking lot of the hospital because Gerard's like I know you're a werewolf <laughs> and that's how it ends five seconds left excellent Gerard impression <laughs> That's, I, I think, th- literally exactly what he said. I think I had five <laughs> seconds left on the last one, too, so I'm either getting better at this or leaving out so much detail. Um, a lot, but you were talking very quickly, so... That is um, one of my special skills. Yes. <laughs> it's on the resume. Excellent. Par excellence. It is not on the resume. That would be... <laughs> presumably, um, I can speak fast. <laughs> yes. So, 
lots of this is this is a classic Teen Wolf example of fifty pounds of shit in a five pound bag episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too much happening um, because like there are essentially three factions you need to look out for at this point. You've got Scott and his pack. You've got the Argents. Then you've got Derek doing whatever the hell he's doing. So uh, our attention is divided a lot of different places. Yes, the focus is so split, but not in any kind of way where you know what to look at at any given time. Which is why we're talking about this episode through the theme of chaos, which both exists with in the world of the episode and the writing of the episode. Yeah, so we're going to be kind of talking about um, like specific elements of the episode rather than, like I think, more specific characters Here's like that, we usually yeah. do. So, um, yeah, ca- absolute chaos. Nonsense. True nonsense. And it starts out slowly enough. I said to you earlier that um, this episode really reminds me of Buffy, a mm-hmm. lot, um, because a lot of it, but not in a good way. <laughs> not in a good way, because most of Buffy is like very good. Um, but most of the action takes place at school. It's very quippy at the beginning. It's I mean, mine after that guy dies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a lot of back and forth between, um, uh, you know, Styles and Allison. But that's most Buffy episodes like begin with like, oh no, this is the bad thing that's going to happen in this episode. Cut to Sunnydale High School, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very similar in that respect. Um, but, like, lots of crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. It's funny, there is a lot of humor in this episode, but, be, like, the placement of the humor it makes it really contrasted against the tragedy. Like, Styles watches somebody die. This is the first time I think Styles has really watched an, an innocent person die, because I think he, he sees Peter die, right? Probably. Or maybe Kate. He's is he there for that? He might not be. I'm having a hard time remembering. I don't think he is. I think he's like incapacitated. He he and Jackson drive there. I think that's right. Well, they well he's the one who throws the Molotov cocktail. So yes. he does see Peter die. Yeah. He doesn't see. But this is the first time we like really. I mean, like innocent people are dying, obviously. But like this is the first time Styles sees it, and he's paralyzed and like watches somebody get crushed by his own jeep and then it's never addressed that that's a trauma he experienced ever um of all of the people in this show who should be in therapy and by which i mean every single person but especially styles Mm -hmm. should be in therapy yeah and it's like we get that happens to styles he's clearly shaken he has that he has got that he has that conversation with his dad on the back of the ambulance Mm -hmm. and then her-da-der-da-der, like, sitcom running back and forth between two characters who aren't allowed to talk to each other. Yeah. You're like, um, these things do not connect in any way. And that scene is really funny, especially when he pulls out Scott's inhaler. Yes. So silly and cute. But you're like, that needed to happen first, actually. There are so many moments in Teen Wolf where they have, like, these very small details that are perfect later on in this episode um scott and uh chris Argent are wearing the same color shirts during like a confrontation and like it's those little details that you're just like mm, chef's kiss and then the rest of it you're like why was the detail not paid attention to in the rest of what was going on like why didn't you pay attention to the plot they were so busy yeah. being like wouldn't it be funny if you used scott's inhaler with, with instead of being like Oh, how do we make point A and point B, like, connect fluidly? You know, I think you said it earlier and best when you were like, her to der. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's the whole episode. Yeah, the whole episode is like, her to during from, like, the scene to scene. <laughs> from, yeah, A to B. Yeah, so we have that whole nonsense with Scott and with Styles trying to, like, relay information. Um, and you said it really perfectly. Why doesn't Styles 
call Scott. Scott's cell phone. Yeah. Or or vice versa. Like, what? I mean, why doesn't Styles call Allison? Uh, I and think like, people would be a lot more likely to notice uh, Styles running back and forth between the two of them than standing in the middle and just intercepting calls. Yes. They, and, like, or, or they could have just physically been in closer proximity to one another. Or just copy but, and pasting text messages. Yeah. Many ways to have made this far less of, like, a Shakespearean farce. Of stupidity. It was a sitcom. Yeah. They, they tried to make this really tragic episode a sitcom, and you were like, no. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Um, so that, that was not connecting. So that was happening between them didn't connect. We had this big lacrosse game, which just didn't, it came out of nowhere, right? Yeah. At one point, Jackson's like, this is the semifinals. Since when? Where? What? You guys are that good? Yeah. And like, um, I don't know. I kept sitting there thinking to myself, if a certain player had injured so many other players, wouldn't he be Be taken out of the game? game? Yeah. They throw a yellow flag so fast when Scott is like knocked over. Where was that? Yeah. For the, for the everything. Yeah. Again, the suspension of disbelief that you have to have, or the suspension of belief that you have to have to watch Teen Wolf, super high. Yeah, like, which is fine high. because you expect that going into a fantasy show about werewolves. Yeah, but like I, I talk about this a lot because um, I love The Hundred and it kills me that it got so bad so quickly. But one of the things that was so endearing about it is that these uh, people touch down in like post-apocalyptic washington dc and like as you're about to tell me how much it looks exactly like washington dc i'm no. gonna lose my shit because you tell me that all the time no it doesn't look it it i mean it looks like a jungle because it's yeah. like been a nuclear war but like if you plot out the geography of like where they're trying to go and like the names that they mentioned based on like signs that are still existing like the attention to detail of geographically where they are is like so so good and they didn't have to do that but it just made it so much more interesting to watch for people who like actually care about that kind of thing and you don't even need to go that hard on teen wolf but just like a little more yeah yeah this felt like two separate episodes i felt like episode four should have been about the big game Mm -hmm. and episode five could have been about the bestiary yeah. And obviously the point of a lot of teen television is that these things have to happen concurrently. Uh, but if you can't write it in a way that makes sense, maybe maybe space it out because yeah. there's because there's a lot of filler episodes in this show. Mm-hmm. And I could have done with a filler episode if, if it meant a better episode five or a yes. better episode four. Sometimes filler episodes are fun and like things that you remember very fondly. Yeah, like bottle episodes. Ah, uh, yes. I love a bottle episode. The bottle episode of Firefly is one of my favorites as a television ever. They're good. They can be very good. Yeah. That's one of the, the bottle episode of friends is like the best episode of friends. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's like a low bar, but you know, the bottle episode of community is my favorite episode of community that doesn't have to do with paintballs. Oh, wait, no, I do not know. No, I'm not like familiar with community. And so that sentence makes no sense to me. Oh, okay. So this is a sidebar, but Julia needs to know this and everyone needs to know this. Community, like, had one episode in the early seasons 
where like they did a, a like the like the school organizes a paintball fight and it turns into like this giant epic like like people sanctioning off like parts of the cafeteria and like people are there for days of fighting this paintball <laughs> war and so after that like that episode was so crazy they did like many and like every single paintball episode was like based on like a different media like there was a star wars one there was like an old west one um but that is how the russo brothers got the keys to captain america (laughs) (laughs) you guys that was such a plot twist (laughs) ending (laughs) i had no idea i don't know if that's directly why but like they got so much praise for those episodes with the paintballs because they are phenomenal <laughs> episodes of television. <laughs> I am so sorry, guys. You, you. This is not a visual <laughs> um, experience for you guys, but my face. Julia's losing her shit. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. The Russo brothers? Really? They directed like a lot of community and a lot of Arrested Development. Okay, see, this is the thing. This is the thing. These men con us into thinking that they're good. That's like... And then they then they Joss Whedon us. They, he well, conned us. J.J. Abrams. Yes. Directed a phenomenal Star Trek movie. Then they gave him Star Wars, and he was like, ha-ha, just kidding. I am not a good director. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, Teen Wolf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of chaos. That's where we're at. Like, I'm mm-hmm. having a hard time... Did we when we were taking our notes and trying to figure out what we're, how we we're going to structure this episode, like I had a hard time pinning down anything because it was just so erratic. Yeah, there's. I mean, I just feel like there's a lot of there's two big discoveries that happen in this, and like you end the episode so concerned about the fact that Gerard now knows that mm-hmm. Scott is a werewolf and um, is threatening him. Mm-hmm. But also, we know exactly what the creature is. Now what the hell are we going to do about it? Yeah, I wanted... But again, if we'd split this into two episodes, you could have done Gerard and then done the Canima. Yeah. Had us be invested in either of those things. Unfortunately, like, both of those discoveries are near unearned. Mm -hmm. I think the Canima one is definitely better handled. Because I think everything in the pool is actually really well done. Yes. Well, I mean, that's the thing, too, is that this episode, and I'm not sure if we've said it already because we've been discussing this for um, a while off off air <laughs> in our pre-show yes in our pre-show discussions that this is um very very similar to magic bullet has a lot of the same beats and is like parallel to it almost um it has a lot of the same elements whereas magic bullet is like very good and magic bullet is one of my favorite if not my favorite episodes of season one yeah there was just like a clarity of urgency like there's there's a very clear um if this doesn't happen Derek's gonna die but there are so many big stakes things happening in this episode that none of them feel big high stakes at no. all no and the thing about magic bullet is we know Derek is in mortal danger from the very first minute of the episode and it plays a long game throughout the whole thing where it's getting worse it's getting worse it's getting worse and what you have when you do the whole uh, pool scene later is you have immediate danger because he's in water and paralyzed. Mm-hmm. But Stan says he's been treading water for two hours, but to us it's been two minutes. And there's like, I want to. If that had been the whole episode of him treading the water and then cutting back between whatever Scott was doing and what they were doing, and it like the tension was rising because you can see him getting more and more tired and like mm-hmm. having to bob down and touch like touch the bottom of the pool to go back up so he can rest his legs like. 
there was a way to make that so suspenseful and scary and terrifying, and they were like, I don't know, the end. Like, I... So when Game of Thrones came out and they, like, killed a main character in the first uh, season, people were like, oh, my God, it's so brave. Like, no episodes do that, and therefore the stakes aren't really that high because you know that everyone's really going to survive. But, like, the the thing that makes uh, good suspense, even if I know that they're going to survive, like, building up the anxiety about whatever situation that they're in by giving you enough time to, like, understand how desperate they are. Mm-hmm. That is what's effective. It's not about like shock value. Yeah. And this episode had neither of those things. No, I just saw 1917, which Julia hasn't seen, but if you haven't seen it, please do. I, I cannot believe I'm like, wow, this white man war movie is like the, the best picture of the year besides parasite. Um, World War one is underserved. It is, but you know that you don't know that both of them are going to make through, but you know, at least one of them is going to make through, you know, that the task is going to be completed. But to get there is so panic-inducing. Mm-hmm. It is so riveting. Um, so even though you know that they're, they're the approximate end game of the movie, like, it's the journey that makes it so compelling. And Timo yeah. pays no attention to the journey in this episode. Mm-hmm. That's... Thanks. That was very astute. No, I, I... It just... It kind of frustrates me because we... We really think that Teen Wolf is like art and art you know deserves to be critiqued and we are spending a lot of time and energy uh, thinking about this show and then this episode is just like frustrating because there's not a lot to work with and it's even some of the details that you think should be like exciting are drastically mishandled mm. like we were talking like speaking of chaos the werewolf school scene Ugh. where derek is is teaching these guys how to fight and survive actually survive. He makes yeah. a very clear very, point yeah yeah there's two really gross moments in that one and uh one is when erica he's like taught telling them that they need to think on their toes or surprise him or whatever and erica jumps on him and kisses him but the kiss goes on for like a long time yes which we have made it clear like we're into weaponized femininity that's 100%. cool mm-hmm. um to the Teen Wolf directors and writers who are middle-aged men writing this kiss between a 16-year-old and a 25-year-old to have it last that long. after And afterwards, Derek's like, never do that again. Why wouldn't he push her off immediately? Yeah. It was so gross and so for shock value. Everything in this episode felt like it was for shock value. And I think I would be a whole lot more forgiving if it were like, a genuine moment like it still wouldn't be okay because she's a minor and he's an adult but because it's like so bizarrely sexually charged and like it it's in the most weird possible moment you could have stuck it in like it just nothing about it she's the only woman in the room yeah she's young because there's so much about it It, like he kisses her back and then Mm -hmm. it's like never do that again yeah what was the point of that to like that just makes me feel like either a somebody who is writing this was like this will be a sexy moment that people will like they didn't or b makes me think that someone was like maybe Derek's kind of a predator which i don't want to think about Derek because he's an asshole in this season but not a creep no he still has like a fundamental uh sense of caring for other people like mm-hmm. when he gets hurt 
by the Canima, he tells Styles to run away and then he stays because he's trying to help Erica because yeah. he thinks that Erica's hurt. He's not just going to run away. Like he, he hasn't lost his entire moral compass. It's like, it's not pointing North anymore, but like he still, he would not, I, <laughs> I think it's out of character for him. And go- going off that, my next point about that scene that really upset me is that he breaks Isaac's arm. Awful. Awful. And again, like we've talked about like this, like Derek is the, is the, the one character who, who like uses Isaac's like, a, like past abuse against him. And Isaac is sitting there being like, I'm hurt. And he makes kind of a sarcastic comment, which you do when you're defensive. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, I've got 200 bones to, you know, fix. And Derek breaks his arm in half and is like 201. And it's like, who wrote that? And was like, why would these kids stick around with that guy? They seem Boyd says in the episode previous, I want to be like you, meaning Scott, and is sticking around with Derek yeah. when he knows that there's another person who's going through what he went through who could help him with all of this. Like, somebody who's writing this has did not think about the fact that people are going to go where they're safe. Like, mm-hmm. there's enough sense of preservation that Isaac would have, even, you know, given his past experiences, that he would probably go to Scott. Or that Erica would not want to be around this guy. You know, it's interesting because I feel like they have a very clear idea of what they want Derek to be in this season, but everything that they did in the first season doesn't add up to those character traits. And so they're trying to turn him into a very different person. And, like, some of that I can understand because we were talking about last time the idea of, like, power corrupting you and, you know, Derek's not a nice person no. um, in this season at all. But some of it is just, like, way outside the lines. And I'm like, you guys are not – you're not using a character you already have, like, mm-hmm. with the traits you've already given him. You're rewriting it for yeah. some reason. Yeah, he was retconned. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you put it – when you put this out-of-place behavior in an episode where everything feels out of place, where everything is, like, max chaos – it's really hard to sit here and be like, oh, I understand why the decisions are being made. Yeah, and sometimes I think um, if some if like the thing that you're watching is particularly chaotic, that's a choice. I don't think it is here. No. I no, just think I, it's a byproduct of poor choices. Yeah, it's also like a byproduct of like hubris, like thinking that you don't need to cut things out or think about them more, like in more complex terms, you know? Yes. Um, like, no... Clearly, like, no man in that writer's room was like, maybe we should consider this kiss and why it's bad. Or nobody was, you know... Nobody on set was like, that's going on for too long. Yeah. And nobody sat there and was like, maybe we should deal with how Styles is thinking about the mechanic's death. Styles just goes to school the next day. Yeah. Um, it's tough. This is a hard episode to talk about because mm-hmm. I don't want to sit here and be like, fuck Teen Wolf. Obviously, I do host this podcast, but like, <laughs> it's really hard for me to think about it in any certain terms. Yeah. Um, I did have one uh, thought about that particular scene that wasn't like discussed, but it's like American Werewolf Warrior. Like It's like American Ninja Warrior, but with werewolves. Oh, yeah, when he's like... <laughs> No, I think most of the fighting is actually well done. I think all Mm -hmm. of, like, the physical, like, interactions, with the exception of the kiss, are really interesting in this episode. Yeah. Um, Like, we have that confrontation between um, Chris and Scott. Let's talk about chaos. Let's talk about the Argent dinner party. That makes me 
all of that made me so uncomfortable. And part of that I do think was intentional, but part of it, I was like, this is so beat for beat, Mm -hmm. uh, Kate's dinner with, with Scott. Um, so interesting that they wanted to like repeat that dynamic. Obviously they're trying to draw parallels between Kate and Gerard, but we didn't really need that because we, we, we know. know, we get it. We get it. He mentions her specifically at the beginning of the episode about how like her, uh, intentions were a little off and Allison's like, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> a little. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I understand the point of like illustrating how, strongly Chris feels about Gerard not finding out about Scott. Um, yeah. I think that, that, that scene serves to illustrate that. It um, serves as well for Chris's later, um, uh, redemption arc. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've mentioned before, I think he's got the strongest one in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that he does would, would is in his, you know, moral interest to keep Scott safe away from Allison and away from his family, but not dead. Um, and so I think that was an interesting part, but I think it there there was a way to to do that scene to manufacture that interaction that doesn't completely replicate the dinner party. Yes. Um, and it's so weird tonally. Like there's that moment um, at the dinner table where Gerard's kind of like poking around to figure out, oh, why did you break up? Mm-hmm. And Scott is like, oh, she dumped me, and everyone at the table like does a spit take essentially and is like, excuse me, what? And like Allison's pissed and it's kind of a funny moment. And then two seconds later you have Chris slamming, uh, Scott against a wall and you're like, what just happened? Yeah. Whiplash. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I really think that there, I also just think that that goes against whatever. No, even if Gerard knows, we know Gerard knows Scott's a werewolf before mm-hmm. he invites him. He invites him because he sees his leg heal. Yep. Uh, but that people who are that strategic and evil can't go against what is like normal socially in those situations. So, to, so as to not let on, it's like how people have a really hard time, um, noticing sociopaths because sociopaths like operate on like such an acute level of like trying to appear normal mm-hmm. at all times that like it's hard to spot them. I mean, sometimes it's not, but like Gerard isn't doing anything that would make sense in a normal interaction. Like Scott is clearly like, like Scott, it, it seems that like Scott doesn't, isn't thinking about like Scott isn't even considering that that wouldn't be normal, but like, mm-hmm. It's, it goes against Gerard's best interest to invite Scott because that looks really weird. Yeah. Nobody would invite their grandchild's ex to dinner just because he's good at lacrosse. Nope. Definitely not. Very strange. I'm thinking, like, about my grandparents. No, they wouldn't do that. No. No. All weird. Yeah. No one's making human thoughts work in this <laughs> episode. And many characters are human so that doesn't make any sense yeah um um another weird interaction danny and jackson oh my god talk about not having human thoughts okay so um i've personally talked a lot about how much i don't like jackson um but it's very clear like 
that Danny loves Jackson and they're best friends. Mm -hmm. That's like been very clear throughout the show and you don't really see them interacting a whole lot to like counteract that statement that's been made. But here in this episode, Jackson is so rude to Danny Mm -hmm. and like treating him like Scott essentially. Like he doesn't like Danny and Danny's like, this guy's still my best friend. What? Hi. Hi. And there's this bizarre, like, offhand... That's a, you can be mean to your best friends if that's the established interaction between you. But it's not like he's elbowing Danny and Danny's elbowing back. He makes mm-hmm. a really... He makes Danny do dirty work for him and then makes a weird comment about his sexuality. That doesn't strike me as friendship. No. Well, people have different kinds of relationships and, like, not that... Again, not that you can't be mean to your best friend, but it's usually because you have an understanding... And that doesn't seem to me like an understanding between the two of them. No. Um, at all. Everybody is operating on like crackhead energy in this episode, which is why it's so chaotic. But because nobody is like leveling with anybody on any kind of like uh, appropriate social interaction sort of, you know, manner, mm-hmm. everything is going really weird. And it strikes me that somebody writing this doesn't, wasn't thinking about how these characters would interact. They were just trying to, get to the end of the episode. Yeah, well, and I think that that's particularly evident um, in the very brief scenes that we have with Lydia as well. Mm-hmm. Because the last episode, we had her seeing, like, Peter walking on the school and then, like, under the ice. And um, it's very clear that she's, like, hallucinating and really, like, panicking and freaking out and there's something going on. And at the beginning of this episode, her mom, brilliantly cast, by the way. Oh, they look identical. They look so good um, together. And her mom, like, pulls back the covers and they're bloody because... Lydia's punched a mirror. Lydia's punched a mirror. And, um... That's male energy, by the way. 100%. But, like, we don't see it happen. We don't know why she punched a mirror. And then we're introduced to the Peter hallucination character, who's, like, Peter as a high schooler, which... Terrible casting. Terrible casting. Um, But, like, we don't really have any background as to, like, why Lydia punched the mirror and what was the conversation with her parents? Why are they making her go to a counselor? Like, bad things have happened to Lydia. Like, it's understandable as to why they would want her to, but, like... That just is kind of presented to us without any kind of background mm-hmm. and then gets ignored for the rest of the episode. I mean, like, she's crying in her car and she's going to tell Styles something, but we never find out what it is. Yeah. It, everything about Lydia just felt like she got ophelia It's very... La- it's- she's just, like, an unhinged woman with, like, but with no, like, there's no exploration of that. And it's, like, again, like, punching a mirror is, like... I think, I mean, that women can do that at their most unhinged. It happens in Beartown. Mm-hmm. Um, but it punching anything and breaking it in fits of anger or like his, like, like psychosis is often associated with men because men are the kind of people who punch walls, idiots. Um, and then like, she has this conversation with Peter that like kind of like, is supposed to introduce a sort of flirtatious energy into, like, her mental breakdown. It's mostly gross. It's mostly gross. He's like, what's your brand of psychosis? Which is like, okay, edgelord, that's not how people talk, and if you did, I'd walk away. 
And then she's got this breakdown in her car with no result or even introduction as to why she's crying in her car at that point. And I literally feel like people are like, well, she's a woman, so clearly her ovaries are making her crazy. Like, that's how it felt. (laughs) Yeah. There's not enough explored. They're like, I diagnose you with having a uterus. (laughs) Sucks to suck, doesn't it? (laughs) It really was so weird. Like, everything about this was mishandled. And I... It's so interesting to me that this, and it's funny because I remember really liking this episode and I think I liked Chunks individually. I don't think I remember all of these things happening in this episode. Because logically, they don't all go together. No. Chaos. And I think that leads us to one last chaotic discussion, which I we have talked about before and I guess we'll talk about again, and that is the steric of it all. Yeah, and before we get too deep into that, we just kind of want to say that fandom and critical analysis of uh, a show that we're watching as adults, as people who are not involved in fandom, are very separate things. Entirely separate entities in reality, not even just in our lives. Like, they coexist in parallel. Mm -hmm. Um, So they can sometimes leak in, and that's when you get elements of fan service. Yes. Uh, and obviously fandom is inspired by the original content, but when we talk about Teen Wolf, we're doing it from a sort of like, I think I, we say like literary lens. Like mm-hmm. we do this in the way that you sit down in English class things, yeah. um, it, from a, like a, an artistic story based discussion. And we understand that like steric means things to people. So we're not trying to say that like your feelings are bad. We just don't get it. We don't get it. From a literary and analytical standpoint. Um, And it's not like I'm not open to conversation about it all. Mm -hmm. But this is like an episode that is like one of the root episodes of like the steric explosion. Mm -hmm. And it is because Styles is holding Derek up in the pool for two hours. Just incredible gifts for (laughs) tumblr.edu yeah (laughs) and it is beautifully filmed Mm -hmm. yeah filming anything in a pool is often beautiful because it's like you get that cerulean color and it's dark but lit from underneath like yeah visually it's striking and the idea of treading water for two hours while trying to hold somebody up is like poetically fascinating though important to note that styles is in no way fit enough to have done that true and he also mentions explicitly that the only reason he's keeping him alive is because Derek is the only thing to keep him alive once they make it out of the pool. Yes. And so when people are like, this is what, you know, this is where, like, you can tell that they love each other from this. I'm like, they are, they are both using each other for the express purpose of keeping themselves alive, which is fine. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't think, even if Derek couldn't help Styles, I think that he would still save him because you don't. Silas has already watched somebody die in this episode. Yeah. He would never let Derek fall to the bottom of the pool and get out and save himself. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. You don't just let... That's manslaughter. <laughs> I mean, but he does... He thinks about it. Before he gets in the pool, yeah. his phone is, like, to his right. Yeah. And Derek is to his left. And it's like... Either of these things could potentially help us right mm-hmm. now, but like morally as a human, what's my responsibility? Yeah. And it's saving Derek. Which is the moral responsibility of any human. And not love. Not love. Um, not romance. No. 
Not even flirtation. And they don't like they don't like each other. No, and they they div- they don't even like each other when Derek's on our side. Like mm-hmm. Styles is always mistrusting of him. And it's not some great kind of like will they won't they. It's like a they these characters do not trust each other. And yeah. e- except in times of great strife when they have no other choice, like this and Magic Bullet. And like there are instances of like uh, fictional couples who start out as enemies, but like go through really intense like character development individually and together that bring them to a point where like they can be in a relationship. But Styles so and Derek, Derek hang out like twice a season and then like are still angry and are never like growing together. No, Derek doesn't grow up at all (laughs) he transforms into a big wolf yeah that's about it um oh my god can you hear the dog (laughs) yes can they hear the dog maybe like very faintly okay let us know can you hear the dog yeah um could you hear the dog barking in our episode um yeah it's just very strange to me and like as a person who okay i watched once upon a time mm-hmm. for a long time except that then at one point i got confused as to like what on earth was happening because all of the plot points i was just like i'm i'm too lost but like that's network baby <laughs> hey that's disney um but like as i was watching that the two main characters um emma swan and the queen regina um are they're in love like very obviously so, and they spend a whole lot of time together. They share a child together. Like in any other circumstance, if that care, if that pairing were like a man and a woman, that's end game. And like me as a queer person watching it, I'm sitting there being like, oh, like I really wish that like you would let these people get together because they're clearly in love. But like as a queer person, I'm never sitting there being like, on an emotional level, I understand Steric. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't get it. Um, me as a human being, I'm like, yeah. uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, so from a literary standpoint and from an emotional, like just a human watching the show, don't yeah. get it. Don't get it. Um, and it's unfortunate to that that is like one of the more compelling scenes in this, or compelling arcs in this episode, and that was like the takeaway of it for a lot of people. Well, I do think that Teen Wolf... Uh, was kind of in this strange in-between place of like, we don't talk about gay people on TV ever mm-hmm. versus there are openly gay people who are like multi-layered main characters, ever-changing, multifaceted mm-hmm. people. So like Teen Wolf kind of was in the middle of that and, you know, maybe had potential to be more than it was, but people were kind of I'm running with what they I'm not giving it a pass, had. though. No, I'm not giving it a pass, but I think that that um, could explain why people ran with it as far as they did. Um, and particularly... Fair. Yeah. I, it's just funny, when I think about the... When I think about this episode, and I think about that scene, I think it is asking a really fantastic dramatic question. And I think the key piece of any good piece of dramatic art, and that's television, theater, film, whatever... Etc. Music videos, <laughs> is asking a compelling dramatic question. And the compelling dramatic question there is like... And, like, what is the value of, like, human life to Styles? And then he answers it by saving Derek. Yes. Um, I think the question is way more interesting than the relationship. Nicely put. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, good, because nothing else has been nicely put in this episode, because I think we were both like, what <laughs> the heck? Yeah, I mean, it's... It was frustration-inducing, I think, to sit here, to, to watch it and then think, okay, what am I going to talk about? Yeah. Uh, on the pod. Does that give us a pass for producing a bad podcast? No, but are we going to use it as a big fat excuse? 
Hell yeah. We've complained a lot with like evidence from the text. Yeah. So I don't think that's terrible. No. I think we're doing okay. Yeah. I think we're too. Speaking of doing okay, do you want to move into Q's and O's? Yeah. I feel like most of my notes this week are... Questions? Uh... Or obs. Obs. Okay. Yeah. Um, but would you like to go first with either I have or? a question. Yeah. Um, can Boyd play lacrosse? No. <laughs> He's not on the team. I mean, he might, let's say, like, you could say, like, oh, he was on the team last year, and that's why he knows how to play, but coach doesn't recognize <laughs> he him. Doesn't He's like, know you, you're in the audience. Do you even go to Beacon Hills? She doesn't even go here. Like, why don't you want to play on the team? And it's like, lacrosse is a sport like hockey where you can't just do it it's, it's not like, hard it's not like basketball or baseball or whatever where you learn how to play it in like elementary school gym mm-hmm. and you like know the basic rules and the movements of the game like you don't learn lacrosse no. if you're not playing if you don't play on a team from like the time you're little like one of the crucial elements of lacrosse is that if you have the ball in your stick, like you have to move the stick around constantly if you're running because it's like a very small net and you need to make sure that it stays in there uh, as you're like fighting with other people. And like intellectually, I know that that's how that works, but um, I've never played lacrosse ever in my life. And if you handed a stick to me and was like, go play in a game, I'd be the most useless human being. Yeah. So no, the answer is no. Also, if you know, they just threw Isaac on the lacrosse team. They could have just thrown Boyd on the lacrosse team. Yeah, we would not. I mean, we would have brought it up, but we would have been like, again, suspension of belief. Yeah. We're yeah. here for it. Yeah. So my question is, can he play? Probably not. But then he plays and yeah. No. No. Um, okay. One of my questions. Yeah. Do we think that druids live longer than normal humans? Uh, are you saying are druids magic? Because I thought they were just peoples. See, I thought they were just peoples too. But Jennifer... It's not just a people's. She's a crazy person with a crazy face. Ah, yes. The um, rock. Yes. I'm not trying We're to... skipping seasons here, but okay. Yes. Um, well, because um, Gerard knows... That he's an emissary. Deaton. Well, calls him by his first name, yeah. which is Alan, apparently. Alan <laughs> Deaton. It sounds like he's... Re- Alan Deaton sounds like somebody who wrote a textbook. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but are... Em- wait, are emissaries and dru- druids the same thing? I think so. Oh. No, because he's like, he's like, I am a, (laughs) I think he's saying in that season that he's a druid, Mm -hmm. but there are like bad druids. I think druids are the emissaries because Uh, they're like close to the earth. Okay. I don't know. But do we, does he get called a druid in this episode? No, I'm just thinking like, because, because of what I know about him. Like, I'm wondering how long, I guess my real question is like, how long have he and Gerard known each other? But then as an extension of that question. Do they live longer than normal people's? Maybe. Maybe. We don't know. But we know that um, Jennifer, like, gets her crazy face and magic from the Nemeton. Yeah. Not from being a druid. Honestly, I would pay so much money for, like, a Teen Wolf uh, wiki written by the writers with the mythology. Yeah. I'd pay so much. I guess that's what this podcast like $30. is thirty dollars. <laughs> I pay like I pay like maybe twelve for a PDF, maybe. No, but that's what this podcast is for. Us. We're supposed to figure it out for the people who are also like, uh, what? <laughs> huh? Huh? Has all of this episode just been noises? 
A li- kind of, yeah. Uh, subscribe to us on Patreon for noises. <laughs> <laughs> noises and one feet back. <laughs> one feet back. <laughs> Um, we're gonna we're gonna do like a, a tiered patreon in the top tiers you finally get to hear the bonus episode on what's your number <laughs> and it's just us laughing incomprehensibly <laughs> for three hours <laughs> oh my god just us quoting the movie out of context <laughs> which happens honestly daily in this, this department which I need yeah, to tell yeah. you <laughs> Do you have any more questions about this episode? Um, I might. I feel like we asked a lot of them in the process of talking. Yeah, because nothing made sense, yeah. Yep. Um, no, no, I, I kind of don't. Okay. Um, were we supposed, are we supposed to be catching on to Matt in this episode? That's my one question. Hmm, I'm not sure because he does play like the whole, um, Look, someone cut a edit in your camp in your like footage of you sleeping in bed at night. Do you see how your hand was by your side and then on your stomach? Oh my god! Yeah. Um. So he's like trying to throw. Suspicion. He's the only person who's playing the sociopath <laughs> role right. Yeah. He's taking creepy pictures of Allison, but acting like a normal dude in public. <laughs> Why can't everybody else figure that out? Well, but Melissa kind of like catches. Does Melissa see that he's taking creepy pictures of Allison? No. She's like, she's like I low think she's key. suspicious. Yeah. Because he's not a yearbook photographer. <laughs> no. And he's also just. Don't look suspicious. Don't, <laughs> don't be look suspicious. suspicious. <laughs> don't, don't be suspicious. Don't, don't be suspicious. That is really how siblings interact. I can't believe that <laughs> Parks and Rec was able to capture that. One of many good things. Yeah. Yeah. That was my question about Matt. I don't think I have uh, any other questions. I have a lot of observations. Okay. Hit me with an O. Um, okay. So at the beginning of this episode, yeah. Styles is like, do you know when you see a friend in a Halloween mask and you like, you think you know them because you see their eyes, but you don't really know them. Do you know what Styles did in that moment? He validated the entire plot of a Cinderella story. Yes. <laughs> because we're all sitting there being like, how does Austin Ames not recognize this girl that he's gone to school with forever because she's just wearing that teeny tiny little mask around her eyes. But Styles is right. Is right. Yeah. Like, we all sit there being like, oh, we're really smarter than Austin Ames. No, we're not. Well, there's also this whole episode of Gossip Girl where there's, like, a masquerade where, like, nobody can tell who anybody is. And, like, Nate ends up kissing Jenny because she think- he thinks it's Serena because they're both wearing yellow. Um, and you're like, how would you not know? But they're both wearing a mask and they're both blonde and they're both wearing yellow. So Nate's like, I don't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus app on, on a Cinderella story? Let us know. I think yeah. we asked that question last time, too. So really, on the Cinderella story? Yeah, let us know because we, we, we would really we like to do, do a bonus episode on a Cinderella story. <laughs> um, that was one of my observations. Oh, because we did talk about Chad Michael Murray last episode. Yes, oh, Chad Michael Chad. Murray. <laughs> we love him. Um, okay, first of all, Scott is a whole ass dumbass. But like, I mean, <laughs> in specifics, do you want to talk about the, that? Because we bestiary. Know. Yeah. And the bestiality joke. Um, bad. All bad. All bad. Funny that both him and Allison make that joke, though. I was like, oh, yeah, they're really in love. <laughs> they're really in love. Actually, I have a question for, like, you. Me personally? Yes. Okay. Did you, when you were a child, have um, a Dragonology book? No, because my version was an encyclopedia of horse breeds. Because you're a horse girl. Well-known fact. Or yes. little-known fact. I don't know if we talk about it that often. I don't know. I don't know if it's been, been mentioned. Bonafide horse girl. Yes. Yeah. Um... 
So for those of you not familiar with um, the Dragonology book, it's like an encyclopedia as if dragons were real. And like there's all these little slide out pop outs and like it comes with a pack of stickers. And I was obsessed with this book when I was a kid. And there's also like an Egyptology book and an Alienology book. Apparently I was looking this up because I was sitting there being like, you know, Styles had a Dragonology book. I'm actually starting to think that mine might have been called Horseology. <laughs> Which is weird, because there's definitely a name for the study of horses. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think, like, what it would... Like, equine science. <laughs> yeah. Equinology. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't know. I have no idea. But I was, I was thinking, being like, Styles 100% had a copy of Dragonology and probably Egyptology. Yeah. Um, where he would have learned words like bestiary. Yes. What a well, no, he says, Scott's like, how do you know this? And he's like, well, I've been looking it up because ever since... He has, like, they have a sweet moment where he's like, I'm doing this for you. True. But I do think that it's, like, his natural uh, proclivities. Um, he knows a whole... He knows a he, lot. He, like me, has the tendency to uh, not be paying attention to the things you need to be paying attention to and then falling into deep, deep, unsettling Wikipedia holes. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you have any more O's? Um... Uh, yeah, one, one more. The picture of the mechanic, uh, in his lacrosse uniform. Is so poorly photoshopped. Horrible. His head is too large the for that body. The actor was there. Just put him in a lacrosse uniform and take a fucking picture. I, I honestly stopped and I was like, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe it's legitimately a picture of him, but there is literally no way on God's green earth that that is a picture of that actor no, in a Beacon they Hill they took his uniform. headshot, cut the head out, put it on the Beacon, like, oh, uh, uh, God, it is so... So strange. Bonkers. Yeah. That's my, um, oh, the bigger they are, the, the bigger, bigger they, are. they are. Classic. And classic. Um, yeah. My wonder, my, my, my last observation is that this is, uh, Teen Wolf's first foray into horrible mismanagement of mental health plot lines. Hey. Hey. Starting and ending with Lydia. Pew, 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 pew. Nobody has ever bothered to do any research into how therapy works or, like, counseling. Um, we say this every week. You could have just stopped at no one ever does any <laughs> research. <laughs> oh my gosh. We should not be the people doing more research about this show than you. Like, come on. You're Guys. writing it. Well, like, when we're only Googling it to try to make it make sense. Styles just, like, straight up walks into uh, the part of the mechanic shop where they, like, actually are working on cars. You're not allowed you to, to do, do that. that. Also, what mechanic is open at, like, 9 o'clock on a Tuesday? Yeah, why is Beacon Hills, like, uh, yeah, we're, we, we open every business at 7 p.m.? <laughs> It doesn't make any, any I mean, sense. like, okay, Blockbuster can be open. Firestone closes at five. Like, yeah, I, come on. <laughs> Normal business hours. Let the hot mechanic go home. And have a nice dinner. Yeah. They called Central Casting and they were like, we need somebody who looks like he was was a mechanic, but in the 50s. They're like, yeah, yeah they're doing, you're doing a period piece. They're like, no, it's for right now. Except no substitutes. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was good though. They picked the right guy. Yeah. He was hunky. He was. Um, I don't have any more O's. Do you have any other O's? No. All right. Should we do pack stats? Yeah, they were a little, um, thin this week. Um, I did have to ask before we started this episode if the dead body at the beginning of the episode counted as a shirtless moment. And he's not wearing a shirt, so I'm going to say yes. Sure. But that's like the only one. Yeah. And then we had two eyes, Derek and Boyd. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, uh, Scott and Boyd, because Derek, I think, just like can't do his eyes. Um, in, oh, in like, paralysis. Being, yeah, odd. 
don't understand that at all. Um, three claws. Derek punctures a basketball. Why? Why? I don't know. Um, it's way more <laughs> impressive to palm a basketball than to pop it. Yes. If he had been like holding it out, <laughs> like face palm down, I would have been like, cool, but he pops it. I'm like, oh, show of course. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so Derek pops the basketball and then we see two cannibal claws like very creepily like laying themselves over things and you're like, ooh, look at his nails. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I didn't see any ads because... I didn't see any ads either. You know what? If there were ads, um, things were just too chaotic for me too to chaotic. Like this episode. Too chaotic. Oh. Do you have an alpha of the week? Styles. Yeah. There's really no... Treading one. water is hard normally. Doing it with a person on your back very hard two hours it literally impossible but this is where the belief suspension comes in yeah again if that had been the whole episode and we had seen him getting more and more exhausted or whatever it would have been which i think is a thing that does happen later in like teen wolf where like somebody is going through something for like a majority of an episode and we do see it wearing on them yeah i'm trying to remember what that is but i think you're right yeah something's telling me season three because that's where the good shit happens. The That good shit. We were so pumped to talk about season two. We're like, season two is so much better than season one. We're going to have a great time. And now we're like, oh, <laughs> oh God. Magic Bullet was so much better than this. You know what? There are points. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, no. the episode where Scott, uh, where Victoria tries to kill Scott. So good. Brilliant. Lydia's birthday Amazing. party. Amazing. One of so the good. best episodes of Teen Wolf. So, we just have to get there. Yes. Yeah. So um, thank you for bearing with us. We hope that you enjoyed we do uh, all of our uh, we have a little bit of housekeeping mm. so this week we are appearing on an episode of fan and ball which is a podcast that talks about like fan culture and like fan response to things um a lot of stuff we didn't actually know about the teen wolf fandom because we're like dummies uh, but we'd break down like the te- the culture of, of teen wolf fandom with them and um, it's history it's act- very interesting yeah um, so you guys should check that out. Um, other than that, if you would like to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, you can follow us at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf. You can follow us on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf. Um, from there, you can follow our personal Twitters and Instagrams. We're both very funny and charming. I'm adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, oh, do we have anything else? No, we just hope that you have a great week and... We hope you have Tune in again. Oh, a, a wolf, wolf of, of a week. week. Yeah, definitely. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Awoo. Toon Link saw Kirby walking into the kitchen wearing a sleep cap. Kirby, did you steal the microwave? <laughs> oh, hello there, gentle listener. I didn't hear you there. You caught me reading the longest written work in the English language, The Subspace Emissary's World's Conquest, a Super Smash Brothers fan fiction. But let's set that aside for now. To advertise our podcast. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Max. And we're the hosts of Fan Ball, a podcast about fandom, their history and culture. The people and things they create. And everything in between. Listen bi-weekly on Wednesdays on the Scavengers Network or wherever you find your podcasts.